0: If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me to uh, the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. I'm just going to read for you uh, from verses 9 to 20 this morning. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 to 20. I'll give you just a, uh, a moment to turn there. If you're not familiar with what Revelation is, it's the, the last book uh, of the Bible. So if you kind of flip to the back and start from there, it might be uh, faster for you. Uh, Revelation... Uh, chapter 1, verse 9 to 20. Now, this morning we are uh, looking at a section of Revelation from chapters 1 to 3, and as I say, we're not going to read each of those uh, those verses this morning, but I want to challenge you to go back and read chapters 1 to 3 uh, this afternoon or through the week. Uh, there's some great passages, great message uh, from Jesus to uh, His church that we want to be aware of and be, be challenged by this week. So read through Uh, chapters 1 to 3, in in your time this week, in your time with God. Let me read for you Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. It says this, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Theater, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, with a white, sorry, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one who was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. I pray, Lord, that your spirit lead us through it now. Teach us, Lord, to be the church that you want us to be, holy and devoted to you, our righteous king. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week, if you were here, we started this series on uh, the book of Revelation, a book that uh, often Christians, even pastors, tend to avoid. But uh, we started by looking at this book of Revelation to recognize that there's really nothing to worry about or be fearful about this book because it's actually a story about Jesus, told by Jesus Himself to His followers through this vision that God gave to John. We saw that throughout the entire book, It's it's a story of who Jesus really is in all of His power and His majesty and glory. Victorious over any enemy, more powerful than any leader or government or allied forces. He's stronger even than the real force of Satan and his demons who actively try to deceive and lead the church against God. In the end, Christ is victorious over all and all those who stand against God will fall while all those who put their trust in Jesus Christ will be richly rewarded with never-ending life. Now that doesn't sound like anything to be afraid of, doesn't it? It sounds like something we need to get more into and learn more about it. But if we're honest, Revelation is a bit of a weird book, isn't it? Because it has sometimes has some some strange imagery and some symbols which can be struggling for us to understand. I had a uh, seminary professor, I heard a seminary professor once say to me, Revelation is like your embarrassing uncle. You want to ignore him, but you still know that he's part of your family. Well, we uh, sometimes want to kind of avoid the book of Revelation, but we need to actually dig into it more and understand this is an important part of the whole story. In fact, the book of Revelation kind of completes the story, not only the story of the New Testament, but the story of the Bible overall. There's so much of the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. In fact, there's more of the Old Testament in, any, uh, in the book of Revelation than in any other New Testament book. And as we start to dig into these chapters 1 to 3 today, we will start off with, with some of these Old Testament references. In fact, there's so much Old Testament in the book of Revelation here that it just can't be ignored. Uh, we have to, uh, to, to give it its rightful place. Uh, the book of Revelation... Uh, starts right off with Old Testament references that tell the early church that it is indeed uh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is telling them the story through John. An understanding of some of these Old Testament allusions will help give us some understanding of the meaning of the book that it had to its original readers, who was the church under immense persecution, and then what it means for us today. We mentioned last week that Revelation was originally written to The Church, which was under extreme persecution from the Roman government. To be more exact, it was uh, written, especially, uh, this section written especially for uh, the, the church, which we call the diaspora, which is the believers of Jesus that were dispersed all around the region, even into different countries, due to persecution. So this book was not written to one particular church or to one particular denomination. It is written to followers of Jesus And today we will see this section as some instructions from Jesus to His church, not a particular church. Uh, It's not a to to Lakes Baptist Church uh, at this time or to a certain uh, church of any denomination, but to Christ Church, uh, the church, what we call the universal church, believers in Jesus all around the area. In a reading from today, we see that John is on the island of Patmos where he receives this vision from God. Now he's told to write down... And send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Theater, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Again, these are actual cities, but, um, sorry, these are actual cities, but uh, more than rather specific churches. It is written to the believers of Jesus in each of these areas. And we'll we'll get into that uh, a bit more uh, in a moment. Verses 12 uh, to 16. If you want to turn to that, give us, start this passage that, that John is writing by giving to us an image of Jesus, which automatically, if we see who Jesus is and all of His power and all of His majesty and all of His authority, it leads us in awe and, and wonder. It leads us to worship. It says that when he looks back and sees, to try to see this whoever is speaking to him, he sees... Lampstands. Now, in the Old Testament, this is very significant to this early church who know their Hebrew tradition because they come from this Hebrew tradition. They know that in the Old Testament, the lampstands gave light to the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle, as we mentioned last week, is very significant because in the tabernacle was a space they called the Holy of Holies, which is where the high priest would go into the presence of God. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was, which represented God's presence among His people. And only the high priest could have access into this holy of holies to be in God's presence. And to the lampstands lit this tabernacle and later lit the temple uh, highlighting uh, where God's presence is. This voice walks among the lampstands. So it, God's presence was known by the Hebrew people to be there where the, the lampstands were. Only the voice of God would be among the lampstands. And so to the early church... This is saying, this is the voice of Jesus. This is God Himself. And here, these lampstands represent the churches throughout the region. And the churches themselves are lampstands meant to bring the light of Jesus uh, into this darkened world. It says, the one who spoke was like the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man is a phrase which is used Uh, In Ezekiel and a few times in Daniel to refer to God's presence among His people. And these Old Testament references are significant uh, to this early church to say, this is the same one who Ezekiel saw when he saw a vision of heaven and what it was like, and the Son of Man was there being worshipped by the angels who were saying, holy, holy. This is the same one the Son of Man in Daniel, who when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, and they have been thrown in there because of their faith in Christ, the Son of Man all of a sudden was right there walking among them, and they were no longer tied up, and they were not hurt by the fire at all, but they're just walking around loose with, with the Son of Man. He is the one who delivers. He is the one who brings freedom. It says this one who is speaking is dressed in white with a golden sash, he's in a priestly garment because this one is the one who makes for us, who allows for us to have fellowship with God as the priest did in the Old Testament time. He has feet of bronze, meaning he is powerful in battle. His eyes like blazing fire. Ezekiel again refers in Ezekiel chapter 1 to Jesus having eyes like blazing fire. This is the one. This is the Messiah, the promised one who is spoke of generations ago, who now comes to speak to his church. And so it says he has a thundering voice. Immediately, the people would remember Moses, who goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, and the voice of God, the presence of God, shook the mountain as God spoke. A thundering voice, a face shining bright. This is all to say that this is Jesus God in all of His glory. And so you need to listen. Now, imagine that you get a letter from someone and you 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 go, well, you look at this and you go, I don't know who this is from. But it, it looks like it's some pretty good instruction, but you go, uh, okay, well, yeah, okay. It's someone saying they, they know what we're doing and they know some things we should do better. Maybe you consider that, maybe you don't. But if you get a letter, or you get a word that you know absolutely is from Jesus Himself, I would think as a church, we're going to pay attention to that. Well, this starts out by saying, clearing up for the New Testament church by saying, this is Jesus. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The one with all power and all authority who is saying these things. And so, church, listen up. Listen to what He has to say. Verse, Chapter 1, verse 19 Tells John, says, write, Jesus tells John, write what has been, what is, and what will take place. As I mentioned last week, throughout this book, we'll see these different sections sort of take place. We must understand that Revelation was a real book written to real believers in this time, in, in which uh, Jesus speaks here to these, the, the real believers in Jesus in this early church but it is also a prophetic book which tells us the things that will take place before the end of the world and before Christ returns and before God wins all in the end. And since it has been so accurate in its prophecies, it has become to us almost a historical book in a sense as well in its context because we can see that many of the things in the book of Revelation that say will take place before Christ's return have already taken place. And the Word of God, we need to understand, is not just a book of history. It's not just a book of allegory or stories that we might read. This is the living and active Word of God, faithful and true throughout all generations. And so we need to understand that Revelation is not only a message to that early church and the church under persecution. We will find that these letters given today aren't just letters to these seven churches or to the believers of Jesus Christ. In these seven cities, this is something which is uh, living and active and, and relevant to the church for today, even to Lakes Baptist Church in Gork and New South Wales in 2018. Today, we want to look at these literal le- letters which were uh, different uh, given to these different groups of Christians. Now, some would say that these are letters to the, the universal church or the believers of Jesus throughout history in seven different stages leading up to the, the church of Laodicea, which is uh, supposed to be us today. The Bible uh, does not say that. Sometimes we, we take God's word and we put it in different times, and some people say, well, the first church here at Ephesus, that was the church up until 30 A.D., and uh, the next church is this long, and this church is during the dark ages, and uh, this church is the present church. I think in teaching God's Word, we need to stick with uh, with God's Word and go with what it says. This is the message from Jesus, the words of Jesus, to His church. And in each passage, in each of the letters, it will say, let anyone who has ears hear God's message to His churches. So to all the uh, believers need to hear all of these messages to the church. Chapter 1, verse 20, says this is written to the seven churches, these lampstands holding up the light of God in each of these cities all around. And in each of these churches has an angel or a messenger from God to deliver his message. To the early readers, this is indeed written to these believers in in Jesus living in these seven cities throughout Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Each of these cities was about 50 kilometers uh, from the other and in fact probably the way to travel to these seven cities would be in order that they are listed uh, in the scriptures for us today each of these are about 50 kilometers or about a day's walk from the other and the followers of jesus had been spread all around and they needed a unifying message especially in the midst of severe persecution and so christ jesus speaks this message to his church each letter goes something like this Each letter begins with a powerful description of who Jesus is, making it clear that this greeting and this message is from Jesus Himself. And then it goes in to say, I know what's going on in your area. I know what's going on in your church. I know how you have been living. And then often that follows by some sort of reprimand or some sort of challenge to the church, which always follows by a challenge... To follow Jesus more and, and jesus 's instructions, and he, then he promises uh, some sort of, of blessing or eternal blessing. let me get into this, and i 'll just briefly go through each church as an example overall of god 's message, Jesus' message to his church in general. In Ephesus, the, to the church at Ephesus, we find the story in uh, the letter written in uh, sorry Revelation chapter two, verses one to seven. He says, I am the one who holds the seven stars in my right hand, and I walk among the seven lampstands. I am the one who holds the angels in my hand, and I walk among the lampstands. I am the presence of God. I am God Himself. And so He sets it up to say, Hey, this is Jesus who's speaking to you, so listen up. Then He says, I know, I know that you make sure that there are no false teachers around you. You persevere, you are faithful. You keep doing good work and and good ministry. You hate the evil deeds that are around you. But, verse 4 says, I have to say, you have forgotten your first love. And so, you need to make your relationship with God the priority. You need to invest more in this. Rediscover that first love. Rediscover who I am in Christ. Who Jesus is. And then verse 7 says, Whoever hears... Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For the Christians, in Smyrna, verses 8 to 11, Jesus begins by saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who died and lives again. Look, I'm alive forevermore. I am Jesus. And so listen to what I say to you as the church. I know that you are rich in faith and good works, you were strong and you were faithful. And yet you were a church in the middle of huge persecution. And there's more persecution on the way. So be faithful. In fact, verse 10 says, I want you to be faithful to death. Now, they probably, the people in Smyrna probably wish that they got the letter from Ephesus instead that just said you're doing good and you're being faithful just remember who your first love is remember Jesus get back to the teachings of Jesus and keep on being faithful and God will bless you and God will be with you but no the people of Smyrna here you know what I see what's going on around there I know that you're under extreme persecution and guess what there's more persecution on the way so hold fast stay strong even to the point of death and their promise is that the one who is faithful will not be harmed by the second death, which means to say they may be killed for their faith, but their life is secure in God's hands because their name is written in that lamb's book of life, and forevermore they will be with God in their judgment of what they've done with Jesus, they will be separated from those who Have done evil, and those who have turned away from God, and those who have remained faithful, although they may be killed for their faith on this earth, will go to be with God forevermore. To the church at Pergamum, verses 12 to 16. Jesus begins by saying, I am the one who has a double edged sword. I am Jesus, strong and mighty. And I know that you are holding strong to your faith and and you're not denying your faith, but I want to challenge you on this. You are starting now to tolerate the teachings of the the Nicolaitans. Now, the Nicolaitans seem to be a group which are similar to the teachings of of Balaam, uh, which is, um, again, from from the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. We find the story of of Balaam who who tries to uh, lead the people of God into sexual immorality and to mixing with other uh, religions and other uh, things which are not honoring to God. And he says to his church, you are faithful and you are strong. But you're starting to allow these different teachings of the Nicolaitans and others which are not honoring to God to be all around you. You're starting to allow this to kind of infiltrate the kingdom and get into your families and get into the church. And so... I want to remind you to, to repent and to follow God. And you will receive all the provisions from God. In fact, it says you will, you will receive from God manna. Which again brings the, the, this early church back to this is the God who provides. Because in Exodus, in the, uh, the book of Exodus, as the people have left Egypt, they pray for God to provide and He provides manna from heaven just enough that they need for every day to survive. And He provides for them and He cares for them. This is the God who will provide and who will care. He is the one who is faithful and true, so follow Him. Don't follow these false teachings. Don't allow these things to be part of your family or to be part of your church. Stay strong in the faith. To Theotera in verses 18 to 29, says this. Jesus says, I am the Son of God with blazing eyes of blazing fire and feet of bronze. Again, this is references to the book of Ezekiel and the book of Daniel that present Jesus in His holiness, Jesus in His power, Jesus in His strength, who can be mighty in battle and mighty with all authority. This is Jesus speaking. And He says, I know that you are a loving church. I know that you you do good works. You were patient, and I know that you were growing in the faith. In fact, you're doing more ministry than you were before. But I want to challenge you on this. You started to tolerate sin. And as we start to tolerate sin and sin becomes acceptable, we soon don't even see it as sin anymore. And you've started to compromise in these ways. You started to compromise with sin, you've started to compromise with sexual immorality. And doing things which God says not to do. God says certain things are holy in the temple. You've chosen to allow people to, to eat of these things which are only meant for the priest. You are starting to, to do things which are not honoring to God. And we need to watch that as a church. To the church of Theoteri, he says, you were faithful and you were strong. You're growing in your faith, but you were starting to allow sin to work its way into the church. You're starting to allow the immorality of the world to, to be part of your families and part of your church. And so you have to watch that. Those of you who follow this temptation away from God will be punished. And so stay faithful to Jesus. Hold on to Him. Cling to Him in this time of darkness. He is the light. He is the strength. He is the one with eyes of blazing fire and feet of bronze, with all power and all authority. And He says, I will grant you authority and influence over the nations if you stay faithful to Me. To the church at Sardis, in chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, He says this, Jesus says, I am the one who holds the angels and the church in my hand. I am the one. I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he says to the church at Sardis, you need to shape up. Because you have a reputation of being alive and alert, but you're asleep. Wake up. Shape up. Exercise your faith. For you're weak and you're vulnerable. Whoever is with me, I will give to them eternal life. I don't know about you, but every church I read about in these seven churches, these seven letters to seven churches, I can go, wow, God, this is your church at times. Or this is our church at times. And then I can say, God, this is me at times. We as the followers of Jesus, these letters are to us. These letters are a challenge to Lakes Baptist Church. These letters are a challenge to the people of God all around Australia, all around the United States, all around the world. Not just in one period of time, but for all, time, to remain faithful to Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who holds the angels and the church in his hand. He says to Sardis, you've got a reputation for being alive and alert, but you're asleep. You don't see the dangers which are all around you. Now, this is a time of persecution. This is a time of extreme suffering when literally there could be soldiers at their doorstep ready to persecute the church. And so they had people on guard. They had people who were alert. People, it doesn't, a guard doesn't do any good if he's asleep, does he? I used to have, I lived on a farm, and we had the best guard dog you could ever imagine. It was an old uh, shepherd dog, and man, her name was Lady, and she was good. I mean, she would bark it, you know, all the time. Like any time anyone's even coming down the driveway, we knew our driveway was about a quarter of a mile long. Okay, so you, you didn't know if a car was coming until it was kind of right there, but Lady did lady knew when the car was coming because she could hear it while off and she would start to bark and we go oh i don't know someone's coming it's like a doorbell that just rings you in advance we're like okay i'll go look sure enough a car was coming and she was an amazing guard dog when she was awake but when she slept and as she got older she slept more and more she was a worthless guard dog this car would come and we'd come out of our house and it's very quiet secluded area and you come out and all of a sudden someone's standing at the door. We didn't have a, do- a doorknob because we had lady who needed a doorknob. We knew when someone was coming a quarter mile away but all of a sudden there'd be people there. Oh, lady, what good are you? You're looking, she's asleep. And she would sleep as people would get out and she was awake no one got out of their car. They stayed until weekend and said, oh, lady, it's all right. They're with us, they're friends, it's okay. But when lady was asleep, they get out of the car, walk right to the door, step over lady, get across. She was sound asleep. She wasn't a good guard dog at all. To the church, at sardis says, look, people say you're great at what you're doing. You're alert and you're awake, but you're really asleep. Wake up. Shape up. You need to exercise your faith for you're weak and you're vulnerable. Whoever is with me, I will give to them eternal life. So stay strong. Stay faithful. Get active in your faith. Be learning and growing every day. Don't take anything for granted. Keep following Jesus. To the church at Philadelphia in chapter 3, verses 7 to 13, Jesus says, I am the one who is holy and true. I hold the keys of David in my hand. I am the leader of all people. No one gets in unless I say they do. I open a door that no one else can close. I can close a door that no one else can open. I am the one with all power and authority. No one gets to the Father except them, to me. Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia, you have kept the Word of God. Although you've been weak and you've been tired, possibly through all the persecution and the challenge, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Keep holding on to your faith. I will give you secure, foundational, rock-solid life in Jesus I know things are tough for you. You are faithful, even in difficult times. You are strong in the faith, even though you feel weak. So keep going. Keep holding on to Jesus. For your life everlasting is coming. Peace is coming. Rest assured that God knows your faith in Him. And He offers to you rock-solid, eternal life. To the church at Laodicea. In chapter 3, verse 14 to 22, it says this. Jesus says, I am the one who is faithful and true witness. I am the ruler of all of God's creation. This is Jesus, Son of God, God in flesh, speaking these words to His church. And He says, you as a church are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. And so I want to spew you out of my mouth. Again, the church of Laodicea probably says, look, Maybe we got the letter swapped. Maybe we can have that church of Philadelphia that says, you're doing well and you're faithful and strong and true even though you're feeling weak and so just keep being strong. But Laodicea gets this letter that says, you know what? I wish that you were either hot or cold. You're neither one. You're, it gets lukewarm and despicable and I want to spew you out of my mouth. Literally, I, I want to vomit you. you. You make me sick. Now, chapters. 2 to 3 are probably the most preached on section of the entire book of Revelation. In fact, from uh, Revelation 6 on, you hardly find any messages in the book of Revelation. This particular passage here, chapter 3, verses 14 to 22, about the church of Laodicea, is probably the most preached passage in this passage because it's, many say it's so relevant to the church of today. We are here, we are to hear. What the Spirit says to the church is not just to one of these churches, but we to heed the message of Jesus to His church, to learn from Jesus, to follow in His ways, to accept His correction. And so I want to challenge us to, yes, to learn from this passage to the church of Laodicea, but also to learn from the passage in the Church of Philadelphia and Sardis and Thyatira and Pergamum and Smyrna and Ephesus. This is the message of Jesus to His church. Learn from Him and follow in His ways. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, I mentioned it last week. Says, says, Behold, I'll stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll fellowship with him and he with me. This is the letter to, the, in the, this is an address in this letter to the church at Laodicea. Saying, you are lukewarm and you've, you've moved away from me. But I'm standing right at the heart's, your heart's door. I'm standing right here. Just open the door and I'll fellowship with you and you with me. I'm right here. although you have gone away, I still will give you love, I'll still give you grace, I still give you acceptance, I still offer to you life and hope and strength. Although you have moved, although you, you have moved so far away from me, Jesus says, I am here for the church. And I will give to any who put their trust in me the right to sit on my throne. Now I think this is a, a, a beautiful passage. I will give I will give to them the right to sit on my throne. Isn't that beautiful? Verse five says the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot them out of uh, sorry, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. I will acknowledge them in the name before my father and the angels. He gives to those who put their trust in him. Power and strength and authority. Verse 21 says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my Father on his throne. Whoever has an ear, ear, let him hear the message the Spirit has to the churches. Now, I love this passage because this isn't sitting next to Jesus. This is sitting with Jesus on his throne. I can't imagine anything more special. The book of Revelation begins by saying, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take heart what is written in it, because the time is is near. Each of these letters says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We are blessed. Not only if we know what this great book says, but if we apply it to how we live as followers of Jesus. This book is about discipleship. It's about growing in our faith and our knowledge of God. Now, we are right with God as a church if we not only listen to the messages that Jesus says to His church in this section, but if we meditate on it, if we consider how it needs to apply to our lives, if we consider how we have become like the churches mentioned here and how we might follow Jesus to healing and restoration. I pray that we follow what the Spirit says to the churches and we find revival as the church of God. Let me close with the words of an old hymn that says this. Revive us, O Lord. Fill our hearts with Your love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Revive us again. Let me just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You and I praise You for this precious book of Revelation and especially for this section of these letters from Jesus, these words from Jesus to Your church. Lord, help us to not be passive in the way that we look at them and just cast them off. But Lord, help us to dig into Your Word and see how they apply to Your church today, how they apply to this church today, and how they apply to our families and our lives. Lord, as followers of Jesus, help us to be faithful and strong in, in You. Help us to follow in Your ways, to learn You, and to apply Your love and Your grace and Your strength in our lives Lord, help our lives, help our church honor You. As followers of Jesus, help us to follow Jesus in all that we do, to honor You in all that we do, to submit to You in all that we do. For Yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.